RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 3, Episode 3, Hispanics on Board the Enterprise, July 19th, 1989. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, all you Trek canonistas. <laughs> I say that with all the love in the world, as I always do. Trek background fans, uh, and of course, all of our Trekophiles with an F. Spelled with an F. Uh, we've got an interesting document, a couple of documents today. I think they're wonderful bookends, and they really speak to something that we have always grappled with in the world at large. Uh, as reflected in Star Trek from day one in the 60s until the last time I checked the current season of Discovery and the fandom speculation out there. Hey, listen, I'll be right back with this week's guest, but as always, find our documents of the week. We have two this week right at facebook.com slash the Trek Files, and you can follow along with this little sampler to kick you off. It has been brought to my attention at the recent convention in Maryland that we are lacking in crew members with Hispanic roots. Had the point been brought up in California, where the L.A. population is nearly 50%, it would have seemed quite logical. But it's surprising that a north-south border state like Maryland would voice the same concern. The Hispanic population of the U.S. is considerable and warrants our having a semi-regular crew member of that persuasion. All right. I'd like to say that this memo is from 1989. (laughs) Last time I checked, I think that was, oh, about 30 years ago. And that's a question uh, that I see reflected all the time on online boards uh, from then to this day. And um, I know, John, champion, let's welcome you back. My fellow Roddenberry Podcast Network uh, colleague here is host of of Mission Log and Mission Log Live, you all know. Uh, I came across a couple, these, this, these, like a nice uh, bookend here set, uh, talking about you know something as blunt and on the nose as racial casting and racial representation in Star Trek, which Star Trek, the entire franchise, once won a, 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 a Screen Actors Guild Award for diversity in casting, and yet the issue is, is ever-present. And the, and the Hispanic cause, I think, uh, has an interesting history to it. Yeah, I mean, this is clearly a a legitimate concern. And, you know, when you go back to The Cage, The Cage is a pretty white cast. And fortunately, things changed uh, for Where No Man Has Gone Before. And then the further along you Mm -hmm. get in, uh, in the series... And and I love that that is a diverse cast that really got embraced from the top players to the, the, the secondary players, for sure. When you get to Next Generation, and I've always said this about that show, you have you know one foot in the 60s, one foot in the 80s when it's being mm-hmm. created and when it's being produced. You look back at it and you say, well, that's also a pretty white cast, <laughs> you know, a majority white cast. Um, but they would push the envelope when and where they could, maybe not as much as they should have uh, by, by, by many accounts. Right. Yeah. But, but as you were about to point out, um, the idea of having a Hispanic crew member actually goes back to before, not only before Next Gen, but even going back as far as TOS. So on paper, at least, you have Hispanic crew members written in who never made it to screen. 
Right, right. We can go back to page one. Star Trek is the 64 Bible. Uh, The navigator was Jose Tyler, Mm -hmm. who -hmm. at least was a mixed background. And again, you know, and this comes up again in all the discussions about why did we not have a gay character on Star Trek Mm -hmm. for so many years. Any, Any of these... On one hand, it was one thing to push the social envelope by having Lieutenant Uhura there and having having an African-American, having an Asian, having a Russian on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Those were such... Those were such envelope pushing yeah. <laughs> steps. We look back at this. And say, yeah, but they're all they're all uh, those two are you know well not white guys, but it's not that much in the times. It was a, it was a big step forward, and mm-hmm. and yet we get to the eighties when you would expect having a gay character you know, pushing the envelope, and that, there was pushback on that and controversy until finally here with Discovery we've we've. We've crossed that frontier. Yeah, you know, 30 finally. more years. 30 more to years. To get to that, yeah. Right. And, you know, over all the decades, I've been very sympathetic because I've heard this, you know, complaint, this statement from the Hispanic community about the lack of, of representation in Trek among the regular cast when there have been so many other nationalities and ethnicities mm-hmm. represented. And, again, on one hand, we're all human, as Uhura tells has tells Mr. Lincoln's sure, image. Sure. You know, you don't have to call me a negress. I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, I'm just here doing my job. But what's ironic, I, I tell those folks when I see that, and I, I was just looking at doing a scan before we recorded today. There's That's an ongoing topic about Hispanic characters in, mm-hmm. in Trek. Going back to Jose Tyler, there's been a record of, yes, there was a good intention, and then something, usually casting, got the way. Peter Durier, the son of Dan mm. Durier, okay. uh, wound up playing Jose Tyler. Of course, the entire cast was yeah. reconfigured yeah. going into Where No Man. But there's not exactly the kind of thing we talk about today with the representation and casting. You know, what was it? Whitewashing? What's right. the term? Right. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, it's. I mean, there were so many extreme cases of whites playing Native American characters in all the Westerns in the day and all of mm-hmm. that. And some would even say, yay for Ricardo Montalban, a Mexican-born actor, playing an Indian. playing an Asian Indian <laughs> character, a Sikh or whatever. That's a, eh. yeah. Um, but it seems to be a record with the Hispanic characters. Fast forward to next generation being right. organized. Now, the radical step was having a woman be the security chief, right? There's mm-hmm. another frontier they're trying to cross. Pattern on... Uh, Lieutenant Vasquez from Aliens. They've yeah. talked about the direct thing. So here they start off with a little Latina, you know, a, a, a tough yeah. little security chief who's yes. Macha Hernandez, and then the casting process plays out. And, <laughs> yeah, they have people in to read for her, but it winds up being flipped with the Deanna Troy character. And, and we wind up with, oh, look, it's Denise Crosby, so now she's... Uh, Lithuanian, Ukrainian. Yeah, yeah, Ukrainian, so, yeah, Russian. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Oh, it's Tasha Yar. yeah. And then it's almost like, so then strike three is um, the doctor of DS9 was originally mm. Julian Amoros. Okay. Until right. they found out that uh, Sadiq Fadil was not quite as imposing a wonderful actor, but yeah. not quite the captain material that they, the commander material, where they, yes, they wound yes. up casting for Cisco. So, um, that, but they wanted to keep him because they loved the actor. So they converted the doctor character to uh, yeah. Bashir, which is nice. We have an Arabic uh, representation. Well, it, yeah, but, but I think what, what you're speaking to is the complexity of any production, so that you, you can right. start out with all of this stuff on paper and it all sounds good in your head, but when it comes down to, well, uh, we've got 20 other producer writers who are are 
putting in their input into who these characters are and what these stories will be. And then you've got a casting department that is not always up to speed with the detail that has been written into these characters or considered for these characters. And they're just throwing out who they think is going to be the best. And then you have kind of the economic reality. Well, who are the bankable mm-hmm. people that we're going to put into this production? You know, um, we've talked before about uh, how many different people were considered for Captain Picard. And we know that, uh, again, another, you know, white actor like uh, Rip Torn, which would have been a very different take on it, but like Yafet Koto right. uh, was considered for Captain Picard. And it, does it just come down at a certain point to asking, well, who's, who do we hear better saying these words? And if Patrick Stewart gives a great audition, then Patrick Stewart is going to get that role, you know. Um, and we had the whole battle over Gene wanting a French actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're splitting a little bit of a hair here, but, yeah. you know, French yeah. or English or whatever, but, right. yeah, Patrick's dynamism just finally carried the day, and they could find nobody in that moment yeah. that was going to carry the bill there. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword here. I respect the idea that the, the people who are creating Star Trek are starting from a point of saying, in a in a perfect world, at least on paper here, we, we like the idea of a Jose Tyler or a Macha Hernandez, or you and I both know that there are so many memos and so many discussions about how to work in a gay character into next gen. How do we handle that and be sensitive about it, but not too careful about it, you know? Um, so it, at least these are given thought even if in the end the final result isn't getting quite there the way we want to see it happen. And if there is an an ethnic-related, if there is a Mm -hmm. (laughs) gender-based community, an Mm -hmm. ethnic-based community, Mm -hmm. uh, even a, you know, just females, I mean, Mm -hmm. just to get represented, uh, it's, it's... it's partly reflecting culture, although Star Trek always tried to pride itself, even though it had to deal with the mundanities of censors and networks and commercial backers at the time. And even when they had a perception of freedom, there were still the – and then just who's in the pool? My God, we almost didn't have our first female captain. Yeah. Right? Right. With that, we all right. know that travail. So. Right. And you would think half of the acting pool <laughs> yeah. would, would be up for that, which they, I think at the time they felt like they saw everybody. So it just – I've always been very sympathetic, though, to, to hearing, and it comes up all the time, mm-hmm. the complaints from the Hispanic community especially because it seems like yeah. everyone else got their person. And then when I point out that – well, it was intended, but then something happened yeah. once, twice, three times yeah. or more, yeah. then it, you know, it kind of makes yeah. the case. But – but there, there have been a lot of uh, Hispanic actors working. So we talked about Ricardo. Sure, sure. Uh, there was a Commodore Mendez, although Malachi Throne. Played, right, played. right, Oops. right. You know, yeah. um, we've had that off and on. Now we've got, uh, you know, Wilson Cruz, mm-hmm. who's uh, African-American, Cuba, well, mm-hmm. Cuban-American. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Dr. Culber has been specifically given. Not the name doesn't reflect it. No. No, but but that might be stuff to be revealed right, or, right. or has we're been written into the backstory that we're just not all aware of. But, I mean, I, I think we're, what we're coming up against here is, is the idea that there are some great intentions. Right. <laughs> they, there's always not, great intentions. Always great right. intentions, not always great follow-through, and that could be for a number of reasons. But what I love about this is that Susan Sackett is writing directly to Gene saying, here's what the fans of the convention are saying. Now, 99% of the time, I say, 
uh, that a producer of a show should not be listening to the granular details of what fans want. Right. Producers, writers need to stick to their vision to write the thing that they think is the best thing to write. Not unless you want to retain your granular sanity. Yes, yes. exactly. Um, but it, as a big picture point here saying, you know what, Star Trek could be more diverse than it has been. That's a legitimate thing to say. Uh, for that fan who asked at a convention prior to this, when are we going to see a gay character on Star mm-hmm. Trek? That's a legitimate thing to ask. And thank goodness, at least it sparked a debate among the production staff to figure out the best way to do it, even if they never landed at that place. And I know our Trekophiles right mm-hmm. now are screaming silently, <laughs> Larry, Larry, what about Belana Torres on Voyager? Uh, yes, uh-huh. who was... Uh-huh. Her mother was Klingon. Her father was some some Latino nationality. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we actually met him toward the end of the, when they had face-to-face communication. So, yes, yes, yes. And I will say, not a regular character, but even Enterprise, which was a little bit of a throwback to that Cage era feel mm-hmm. on casting. Mm-hmm. Back to we only had one. Well, we had two aliens, but everyone else was, was uh, uh, well, Hoshu was Asian. But, yep. um, but the second captain... Of oh. an NX starship. Yeah, uh, uh, of the Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Maria Hernandez. So mm-hmm. so um, we have representation there. Now, again, yeah. if you're looking at the regular cast, yes. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. Some people might look at it as, you know, too little, too late. But, but again, the, there's an attempt there, which, which I, I feel like even the baby steps are, are worthwhile. The, the thing that I want to point out. Also on this memo, before we get into the other one, just real quick at the end, oh, yes. Susan says to Jean <laughs> about the other remarks. Uh, what happened to the Romulan outposts? These are all questions that right. the fans had. Uh, what about that homing signal sent back to the aliens uh, at the end of Conspiracy? Yeah, we'd all like to know that. It's interesting how many of these got ticked off. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Off. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, they and, more Borg, yes, uh, or Borgs, yes. here she says, and better resolutions to our stories. Every Everyone was pleased that Gates is back. They also want Whoopi back. Well, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. Uh, these, they love Colm. We, we love Chief O'Brien. Oh, yes. yeah, right, right. We, we want got more O'Brien coming yeah, down Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So these are all good. Just to sort of give, give Gene the lay of the land. Like, okay, what, what's the word out there? What do people want? All and right. This is, and again, this is 1989. It's pre-internet. Mm-hmm. Message boards are barely in their infancy. I made a joke the other day on Twitter about Fidonet somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I had to have someone show me that because I sure didn't have a modem in my house <laughs> in 89. But I had to have my tech friend who was on the cutting edge show me that. But that was, yeah, the meta of this is here's the filtering process going back. And you know yeah. what, Susan, I'm going to take a wild guess here. This is July She's talking about a convention in uh, Maryland. Maryland. I'm just going to do a shout out to Shore Leave. Nice. I'm sure she was a guest at Shore Leave without, nice. without looking at the record there, which Very has been good. around for ages. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's on that sense. It's just a nice little process mm-hmm. snapshot here about how how communication went down. Right. And but then, yes, our bookend. Yeah, yes. so it, it follows up with a, a memo from Gene to Michael Piller and then copied to the rest of the production staff. you got right. Rick Berman, Hans, uh, Hans Bimler, Richard Manning, etc. And uh, he's saying more aliens in lead roles. So we, we can't necessarily... This is August? They've been at it for about two months. Yeah. June, July, August. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we can't necessarily draw a direct line to this memo, but clearly it's on his mind. And he's saying uh, the, that first line there, I'm concerned over a very definite parochial hooray for humans feeling I've been getting from story ideas and scripts lately. 
really interesting of him to to present that as just a general problem he's had with the first couple of seasons of Next Gen. Right. And he cites, you know, Ken Jenkins, who mm-hmm. we all know now from Scrubs yeah. later, but played Dr. Stubbs in Evolution, which right. was uh, welcoming Wesley back, uh, wel- uh, welcoming Dr. Crusher back and in the background, but um, playing the baseball metaphors there with, with Wesley on the side. And, yeah. and Gene says, well, you know, if you're going to have that baseball analogy, then maybe you do want a human. But mm-hmm. let's be open to remembering that we want to show, you know, the rest of the. Well, and he even says, you know, that this could have been a great script if that character had been an alien. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it could have been measurably better. I don't think it's a bad episode by any stretch, but it's just saying, you know, consider this. Consider this idea mm-hmm. of thinking outside the box, because how many other brilliant scientists <clears throat> have we had and will we have that were immediately thinking, oh, they're human? You know, and maybe right. because it's easy to write, it's just the default position to come back to. And, and just as a check mark, now he's writing this to Michael. Michael is so overwhelmed. He's, <laughs> he came in a month late when when Maury, Her- uh, Maury Hurley left. Uh-huh. Michael Wagner was there about a month mm-hmm. and then left. And then Michael's there, so he's about three or four scripts in. They hired him because of his "Who Watches the Watcher" script. Oh, right. They said, oh, yeah. I think you get. St-. Yeah. He was not a fan, but yeah. they went. I think you get it. Uh, you want to be head writer, <laughs> and he knew all the guys. Right. So he's coming in. He's talked about it being like he was just riding the rims. You know that whole for all the the episodes, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. high ground, the vengeance, the factor, battle, the, the battle, yeah, the offspring. Yeah. Well, the battle was for a season. Okay. Yeah, the sure. defector. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, and but then they finally. They get up on top of their Wiley e. Coyote Acme rocket shoes by yesterday's Enterprise and the Offspring and mm-hmm. Sins of the Father, and then and then the season winds up with Best of Both Worlds, and then bang, we're off the races. But Michael was really under the gun here. But and, and the first batch of scripts had already been done. I was just taking a real quick you know look here. Um, mm-hmm. They're all they're all really original series ish in that the aliens all had. We laugh about the bumpy headed aliens. Mm-hmm. The first half of season three are all they've got tattoos on the temples right, or they've right, got doodads right. in their earrings or whatever. Yeah. And, but eventually, eventually you see like the price has a nice mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. conglomeration of aliens in the in the. Uh, yeah. So it it did finally. And I think finally Deja Q, you have the Braille. Uh, scientists, so our moon is falling out of orbit. There's a perfect B story with alien scientists, and it's like maybe that's about the first time that Michael could think straight, and they and they had stories germinating where that would work. Yeah. So there's the process. The process right. is working, but let's not uh, ignore that very last line, that analogy that he made, which yeah. to me is what speaks to 2019. 30 years later. Right, so. right. Well, just that, that last paragraph, I, I like that he's conciliatory, but he's thoughtful here. He says, mm-hmm. not a big thing, really. We've been coming up with fine stories and casting so far, but perhaps we all should give a little thought to whether we unconsciously tend to favor humans in the 24th century as we once favored the white race years before. And with all the attention paid to on the Oscar side, on the on the film side, and, mm-hmm. and the Emmys and the TV Directors and writing and representation on camera as well as behind. Yeah, that's still. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's that's good still to see, a hot topic. Yeah, it's good to see Gene being that exactly. thoughtful and reflective about saying, "Wow, you know, could could we have done more in the past? Yes, <laughs> were we whitewashing in the past? Yes. Let's think about." the new groundwork that we get to lay out for the future of Star Trek. How much more do we get to push the envelope the more we think about it? And on one hand, Star Trek is hopefully out there leading leading the pack. But on the other hand, it's as if he's saying here, there's always more 
There's always more to be aware of. There's always more to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, John, thanks again for dropping in with us. My absolute pleasure. These were great documents. Yeah, yeah. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47, that's me, at larrynemachek.com. Trek well, everybody. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.